You're listening to the Spitalfields Festival podcast, a thoroughly good podcast made for Spitalfields music. The Spitalfields Festival runs from the 1st to the 11th of July, 2021. Tickets via spitalfieldsmusic.org.uk. Follow at Spitz Music on Twitter. Follow Spitalfields Music on Instagram. The Spitalfields Festival 2021 runs from the 1st to the 11th of July. It's one of a handful of UK arts festivals that acts as a beacon guiding arts fans and local residents in the East London area of Spitalfields out of isolation and back into the live music experience. It's a special thing. It's vibrant and it's proud. Just listen to one of its featured composers and curators, Erilyn Wallen. When I was asked to be co-curator I was so it meant so much to me because I grew up in Tottenham but my my aunt except she's like a mother to me was from Bethnal Green so our, our childhood was spent going up and down Spitalfields and it's changed so much but, but we're talking about pie mash shops very particular fish shops you know get, getting eels I've seen it change and I've heard my aunt, I remember hearing my aunt talk about it in the olden days when it was, you know, predominantly Jewish area, then then more Asian, then well, well Cockney, then Asian. And so to me, that is the, the very place is a, it's a huge part of me. Even though, you know, I live in Scotland now, I am a Londoner. I just am. Because what I love is the, you know, the plethora of the people, the different languages, the cultures. There is an urgency in people's voices when they speak about Spitalfields Festival and East London, and maybe that energy is something of what we need right now as opportunities open up and a kind of normal life returns. This year's festival draws on some of the events that ended up being postponed in last year's festival and opens with a touching tribute to those who died and an opportunity for reflection for those who survived in the months of the pandemic. In this episode of the Spitalfields Festival 2021 podcast series, you'll hear from composer Howard Goodall on his work commissioned by the London Symphony Chorus, never to forget. You'll hear from London Symphony Chorus director Simon Halsey and composer Erilyn Wallen on her thought-provoking response to Schubert's epic song cycle, Winterizer, the inspiration of pianist Christopher Glynn, who collaborates with Wallen in a performance with baritone Roderick Williams. Composer Howard Goodall's Never to Forget was written last year as a tribute to those who lost their lives in the early days of the pandemic and acts as a thought-provoking tribute. And my original idea was, look, we'll do a version now and we'll do another version in a year's time uh, that fills in the gaps of all the additional names that have been added to that uh, tragic list. And they liked this idea a lot. And I said, well, what we'll do is we'll get the names of all the nurses and all the doctors and the care workers. And they, that will be the text of the piece. And we will sing it. I'll write a piece of music and it will be sung. And rather like those extraordinary memorials at the Menin Gate and at uh, Thiepfile and places like that in, on the Somme, where you just see these monuments covered in thousands of names. They are the monument. Uh, I felt this could be a musical version of that. The first half of it was done this time last year, when the numbers were truly shocking and uh, well over a hundred names um, were set to music 
um, in uh, spring already of 2020. And we expected it by now to have grown to half an hour. And thank God it's only grown to 15 minutes because with the uh, management of uh, COVID, um, much better PPE, much better understanding of the, uh, of the problems faced, um, uh, the number of deaths of frontline workers is smaller than we once feared. I think some people think composers you know, the muse strikes them in the middle of the night and they do an hour's work while the muse is upon them and then they spend the rest of the day twiddling their thumbs. If you're a professional composer, you can and should be able to write music 24 hours a day. So I, what I often do with these things is, is I start with this idea, which is what this was, and then I let, I then first of all, concentrate on the technical aspects of what has to be achieved because that's very, in this case, is extremely complicated, like the most complicated crossword puzzle you can imagine, because the rhythms of every note that's in this piece are dictated by those names, how you say them, how you pronounce them, where the emphasis falls. The majority of these names, I don't know, 60 or 70%, say, are names that are not sort of old-fashioned John Smith, Mary Smith type um, Anglo names. They are names from all over the world, and some of them I don't know how they're pronounced. And we had a team of people helping us work out how they're all pronounced and how the emphasis falls. And we're doing our best to make it as accurate as possible. But they, those create rhythms, those names. Some of the names are have, you, you know, eight, nine, ten syllables in them. And that creates a rhythm. And you, so the first thing I thought was, I know what I think the emotional job of this piece is, but I've got to, first of all, uh, find the solution to it practically speaking. And to some extent that helps you get distracted from a way, the worry that you'd have, which is writing this, which is how do I make it sad enough? How do I make it uplifting enough? How do I make hope be a thing of this? How do I make it not sentimental? How do I, and I think those questions flow through you all the time. But I think if you concentrate on the practical thing, first of all, how do I structure this? Where, in what order do these names come? How do they work? Do they overlap? Is it one after another? Uh, do, are they sung by all the voices or some of them? Uh, uh, where do the emphases fall? Uh, where are the climaxes going to be? And how are you going to create a, an architecture for this piece of music uh, out of these incredibly diverse, unusual sounding names? So that's the first thing is I, I do that. I think that's my priority. And I kind of hope that first of all, because it's a piece of music um, and I've been writing music for a very long time, uh, some of it, quite a lot of it, theatrical for musicals and stage works and the job there is who are these characters what do they feel who are they what's their predicament why why are they in this situation that's your job when you're writing a musical is you need to write music and songs that fit those people where they are in time what place they are what do they feel about each other all that and so i'm i'm very focused on what, whether the piece is a piece of choral music like this is to be sung at concerts and at ceremonies or whether it's a musical on stage in a sense it's the same job who are they what am i trying to honor how do i uh, fulfill that obligation to them these people in it how do i make it right for them and of course you use your own judgment and you think well if i use these chords and these melodies it would be very sentimental and if i did this it would be more lean and economical and more neutral and I feel as if I try and tread that path, but basically in the end, you're just using your own judgment to say, well, if this was me, how would I feel about this? And 
what what do I feel is the right music for this? And it's for other people to judge whether I have succeeded at all in that. Uh, I can't be the judge of it. We've had quite a lot of reaction to the seven-minute version a year ago when people were just so amazed that anybody else should think of their family members in this way. You know, you'd lost your mother, this was terrible. And then we we were slightly worried that people would say, well, why are, why are, why, why are people setting our mother's name? But we tended to get emails and postcards saying, this is a marvellous tribute and makes us feel that the whole thing wasn't in vain and so on. What perhaps we might have missed in the past 14 months is a sense of occasion, a moment where we break out of our familiar surroundings and do something ever so slightly different. This is what live music or the collective experience is about, something other than what we would normally do, something different, something special, and a moment to reflect together. The music of Schubert and Erlen Wallen also features in the opening Spitalfields Festival concert, and it is an opportunity for just that kind of reflection, an invitation to empathise. Erlen Wallen's After Winter takes up the story at the end of Schubert's Winterizer, and it was made in collaboration with Streetwise Opera. Honestly, uh, we sort of fell in love with each other because the work was to be developed using well, it was developed using their own words, their own feelings about um, about how you look after somebody who's really at, right at the end of their right at the end of their tether in terms of you know somebody's had terrible heartbreak and can't see the point in living. All my songs for chorus were about sort of comforting and drawing somebody who's isolated into a group. And what's interesting was all all written before we knew you know, but before there was even a sniff of a pandemic. Um, and so when it, it was due to have been performed, I think last year, but of course, like so many other things, it was cancelled. And in this case, it was cancelled, you know, it, it was irretrievably, it was never going to be put on. Originally, it was meant to be um, staged. And it, it's the brainchild of Chris Christopher Glynn. I wanted to make a piece that was in response to Vincerizer and asked what happened next. And I went to see Matthew Beacock, who runs Streetwise Opera. And I said, could we do this as a project with the Streetwise participants or all people who have experience of homelessness? And we set this project up and we invited Erin in to compose the songs. And the words were created by Streetwise participants in workshops in Middlesbrough. My name is Hannah Conway and I'm artistic director of Streetwise Opera. We had a few days up in Middlesbrough with Erilyn and um, director John Paul James and Chris Glynn and we spent we spent two days with the performers up in Middlesbrough um, exploring uh, the Schubert and thinking about the themes within the work and of course when we commissioned After Winter it was to turn the piece around so instead of it being a solo piece for solo singer it was about the, what the chorus what the community response was to that man as he as he goes on his journey and how they embrace him and how he responds to a community reaching out and whether or not he rejects them or whether or not he can even he's even able to see them at that point so we explored all those themes in, in a whole variety of ways with dramatic improvisations and and kind of creative writing tasks, some of which Erin took us through, some of which John took us through. 
and we sang together a variety of different musics um, and it was really a joyful couple of days and then Erin Erin went away and um, worked really 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 closely with Chris and with myself and with John and we started to formulate what those songs would be in in terms of those choral responses and where they should be placed within the within the Schubert. And we had it all ready to go for last summer in in Rhino Festival um, and various other places. And of course, it didn't happen. Um, and we thought we'd lost it. And I'm just so pleased that Spitalfields Festival has stepped in and resurrected some of the songs by Erlin, um, which will be sung by the London Symphony Chorus alongside Roddy and I doing Schubert. Um, and I can't wait to see what they sound like. Erolyn's carol, Peace on Earth, is a heart-stopping creation, something that stops time, triggers the imagination. It was recorded by the choir of King's College, Cambridge, and has about it a dark, perhaps even ominous edge. As the Black Lives Matter movement gained momentum in the wake of the murder of George Floyd in 2020, English National Opera released a distance performance of the carol for piano and dancer, performed by Gerard Martin and Edinu Munch. I was, ha- I was working with Kwame Kweyamar and we were trying to come up with a presentation which would then allow us to make a musical together. And the truth is we had something like half an hour to do this and it, it was for the National Theatre. And so Kwame said, you know, you know Kwame now, now it, 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 he's um, head of Young Vic, but so he said, you know, I know how to act. You know how to improvise. Let's just come up with something. So he, he gave me a setting. You know, he said, you know, I'm going to be standing there. This is what I'm saying. Play something in the background. So I played something. What I played was the riff that is in Peace on Earth. It just came out because I was just mucking around. And I didn't think anything of it. And I thought, that riff is still going around my head. And I thought, I'm going to make something of it. And then I thought, I've always wanted to write a, win- a Christmassy winter song. I want to do something that's got a bit more, you know, something with a bit of bite to it, where maybe there's a, these, these slight clashes, something that's like a bell, or, you know, where, the, where there's this hemiolo, hemiolo effect. But something where it's very simply constructed, but that gives, gives this, um, there's there's a feeling of counterpoint in it. Um, but the, but the, the voice part is very, very simple, but slightly cuts across uh, the harmonies in the accompaniment. And so I wrote I wrote Peace on Earth, but it, it derived from having to do something on the spot before. And King's College uh, Choir recorded that last year and came out. And then it's been performed, and then, yeah, Idunu performed it herself at the piano, which was, was really marvelous. It's, um, it's a song I sing myself, but it's it's. I think it's got the simplicity, but then there's, um, there's something in it that's slightly wrong, which draws you in. I think she's. I think she's a lyrical composer. That's how I see her. Um, I think everything has a, a lyrical essence to it, and then these layers seem to be added on around it. And I think because she's a lyrical composer, I don't see her seeing any big 
barriers between you know what's pop what's classical what's jazz what's world music she just seems to sort of blend I think she's also a really eclectic composer I think there's so many different influences come together um but yeah it's the lyricism I hear it, it, it was it was her songs that I love first that amazing album photography and girl in my alphabet it's amazing beautiful songs that every composer dips in and out of other composers in order to compose and that you know part of our work you know this idea of arrangement reimagining recontextualizing is actually a, a daily thing so whether you're writing a set of variations you know Beethoven, Mozart, Bach you're always you're often looking outside yourself whether it's for stylistic things or motivic things or looking at the, la the way a language is put together so you know when I did you know Dido's Ghost um, I, I don't know when you also when you're dealing with Western classical harmony when I was going back 300 years you know back to look at Purcell it made me think about his use of modes and the way his harmony is not the way it is now and really having really really it was really enlightening for me to do that. It's like a, a, a wonderful conversation. So I, and you know, I did the last year, last year of the proms, um, taking the, taking the parry. And actually we only ever hear Jerusalem in actually an arrangement by Elgar. So often, often works we're hearing. So whether it's um, pictures and e exhibition, Ravel's orchestration, so many works are seen through the prism of another composer. You know, whether it's the arrangement of folk song or you know bands cover, always covering other songs. What is interesting to me is looking at the the essential material and and having fun and playing with that. So I, I I'm never daunted. It was only to be honest, three quarters of the way through this opera, Dido's Ghost, I suddenly thought, oh, <laughs> some people can absolutely hate me doing this. But composer to composer, it's all material. It's all wonderful, as I say, this conversation, this, you know, this marvellous encounter, which hopefully what you produce will illuminate. Mm. I think it's best not to be reverent as much as, so much as curious, the way Stravinsky always was, so work like Polchner. You know, it's it's we, we we see that original music through through you know twentieth century sensibilities and makes it very exciting. Simon Halsey, choral director, London Symphony Chorus. She writes word shapes that sound just like normal English. Now Henry Purcell did that, Benjamin Britten did that, but not everybody gets the hang of making. Do you see how I'm deliberately speaking? in such a way that there are rhythms that feel natural and don't go like that. And she's very good at that. Then her words speak extremely directly to the mind and to the heart. Her music is melodic so that everyone can get it first time. But she's a real intellectual as well. You know, she's trained at King's College London and Goldsmiths and King's College Cambridge. And, there isn't anything that she doesn't know from jazz, which her brother is a famous jazz jazz trumpeter, through to um, uh, Henry Purcell and Schubert and heavens only knows what. And she has a great dramatic touch too. 
so that although this is going to be a concert piece, it feels so easy that you could just transfer it immediately to the stage, the mixture of solo voices and choir, some instruments, telling a story, mixing traditional music, and then just think, you know, when I was a kid, there were people saying that the Beatles were great and that their music um, actually belonged with Schubert and, uh, and others and Schumann, the other great songwriters. Um, and here is a case also of someone whose musical education is so broad and so interesting that she is undoubtedly writing frontline classical music, but it's full of easy melody and really interesting harmonies and things that I think everyone can follow the first time, but which requires us to work bloody hard to get all the details right and to look for the meaning behind things and so on. So she's an absolute triumph of a composer, I think. You've been listening to the Spitalfields Festival podcast presented by John Jacob, a thoroughly good podcast made for Spitalfields music. The Spitalfields Festival runs from the 1st to the 11th of July 2021. Tickets via spitalfieldsmusic.org.uk. Follow at Spitz Music on Twitter. Follow Spitalfields Music on Instagram.